Who's excited about Praisey? And get started today? Yeah, give me a hand. Um, going into this series, we've been, we've been wrestling with this for months, just feeling like, man, we need to just talk about worship. What does it mean to worship? What does it mean to worship God? Because so many times we hear that word, and we just think of a, a, a service, or we think of a moment, or we think of a song, or, or we think of what the context and the church's culture today is, let's all get together and sing worship songs together. And, um, and so we've just been studying this for some time. I, I looked up the definition. I mean, you go to Webster first, like, okay, what is this? And so this is what Webster had to say, is it means to show reverence and adoration for a deity. To show reverence and adoration for a deity, for a, a God. Um, I, I care about Webster, but I love the Bible more. And um, so we've been studying for verses on this for months. Chris and I have been studying and our elders. And uh, here's proof of it. This is our whiteboard upstairs right now. If you go in the conference room and you're like, okay, I'm out on this series. That makes no sense. This is not. This is not going to go anywhere good with all those scribbly notes. And, um, and, but this is our notes upstairs that, that we, we just, we're going we're gonna to spend four Sundays talking about worship. Today we're kicking it off with praise. All these scriptures on the left were verses that Chris and I had just, you know, we, we had talked about and we wrote on the board. And we asked the elders, our last elder meeting, you all bring verses and what worship means to you. You know what was amazing? I think there was five or six of them. Um, that came, and they all brought verses that we had not written on the board yet. It was all new. Like you talk about, the Bible is full of, of defining and clarifying and di- examples of worship. And so we just kind of put all that together. And I, I, I'm saying all this to say I'm still not an expert. Okay, so is, is this in four weeks you're going to get all the theological depth of worship? No, probably not. Are we going to see some things that are clear that God's laid on our heart and this season of our church and time in your life? I think so, because we're going to pull truth from Scripture each Sunday about worship. Today, we're, we're kicking off praisey. Um, next Sunday, Chris is going to be preaching and teaching on a praisey living. The next Sunday, we're going to be talking about praisey serving. And, and the fourth one, we will be talking uh, about praisey, uh, we don't know what we're going to call it yet, praisey church, praisey, what, what does it mean in corporate worship? You thought you were going to start there, we're not starting there today, we're going to get there in four, three weeks, um, but today we're just, we're going to say, what is worship? I think one of the most clear verses for me um, to say, to, de- to define worship is Romans 12, verse 1. Like Paul lays it out so clear here in what it means. He's writing to the church at Rome, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Here, from a, from a Bible standpoint, here's what I find in this verse from worship true godly worship is a lifestyle it is in all of our life it's connected to service sacrifice it's not a single act all right 
It's not a single act on a Sunday morning. It's not in a certain place. It's not one event you can, you, you can plan. It's not an action necessarily that you do. We, we find that, that, that worship begins in the heart. All those things are expressions, okay? All those things are expressions of worship, but worship is really begins in the heart. Another commentator wrote it about this on Romans 12. It says, Worship is the art of losing oneself in the adoration of God. It's putting Him before me. And this is important. The reason Paul had to wrote this, write this to them is because we all struggle uh, in life because guess what? We are, I don't have to teach you how to worship. We all worship something. There's all some, we all have something in our life we're willing to lay ourselves down in adoration for. Some of us, it's culture. We begin to worship the culture. We lay everything I am down to, to dress right, sound right, look right, be at the cool places, drive the cool cars, be a part of what's expected, and, and we're going to lay down our entire self. And, and I adore this culture and being cool and being in the crowd and all the things. Like We, we can begin to worship that. We can, uh, uh, we, can, we can lose ourself in adoration of people, of people. We can begin to worship people, political people, uh, preachers. Um, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can put our, our kids, we can put our spouses, we can, put, we can elevate people above God in our life. We can do sports. I talked about this earlier. I almost took it out. Y'all got upset at me over this. <laughs> right? We can elevate sports we, uh, above God in our life. And I love sports as much as anybody. Um, but we can find if you look in your life and say, what am I sacrificing most of my time and my budget and my calendar? And this is hard with kids, right? Because kids get into sports and it's everything. It's all the time. And all of a sudden we see, man, we've given up our whole family for a sport. And it's, it, listen, the devil is going to send all the culture and all the things around you that look good and feel good, and they, he wants to fill the void. He wants you to be focused on those things instead of God with your entire life. And Paul said, that's not enough. You're going to be tempted to adore money, to just give up yourself and your dreams. You say, well, I wanted to be, I wanted to be this, but I needed to make more money, so I got to do this. And I wanted to spend time with my family, but, you know, I got to pay for the things we got to have. And, and so uh, we're going to lose ourselves in adoration of money. And Paul just says, hey, one thing deserves your worship, that deserves your entire sacrifice, and that's God himself. Enemy will tell you pleasure, pleasure of this world. You want to lose yourself for that. It leads to destruction. Paul says the art of losing oneself in the adoration of God. Let's see how he defines it. So give your bodies to God. Let them be a willing, a living, and a holy sacrifice. Um. Right here, John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. Wait, we're not going to do that yet. I'm so sorry. Give your bodies to God, then be, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. 
We find in this word that this is about a lifestyle. It's about a sacrifice. It's about an entire, uh, we, how we wrap up our entire life, our entire being, our entire dreams. Where, where does our core affections come from? Why is our soul made of, motivated to go to work every day and get up? It says, I want you to give all of that to me. And then we're going to find out why should we do that. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, because of all he has done for you. So why would I worship, why, why should I worship God? What, what, should, what should be the reasoning behind that? I want you to, I want you to hear me say this, because we asked this question. It was one of the ones we wrote on the whiteboard when we thought, what are people asking? Why don't they worship? And to be honest, when I started this, I started with the mindset of, you know, why are we afraid to lift our hands in service? When I thought, why are we afraid to worship? That's what my mind went to. Why are we afraid to lift our hands or to glorify God in front of people? Um, and, and, and so when I, when I began to think about that, we asked other questions like, well, why, why do we worship? Is it a response to a feeling or a circumstance in our life? But I found out here in Romans 12, 1, worship is a response to truth. Anytime we don't feel like worshiping, we have gotten sidetracked from the truth. Anytime we think, well, I'd rather do this or I'd rather do that, and I'm just not feeling it today, we've forgotten the truth of what God has done for us. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees God with his own eyes on a throne. And he completely falls. He says, I'm ruined. I'm doomed. This sinful man, I've laid eyes on the righteous God and I see so clearly who he is and who I am. And he's just like Abraham when he says he's going to worship. And that Hebrew word, it means to go prostrate. It means to just completely lose and go lifeless and fall before him. When Isaiah saw God on the throne, he went, I'm done. Like, all we know is to fall at his feet. When we are in that mindset of truth, feelings and circumstances really don't matter. It's a response to truth. Jesus said it like this in chapter John 4, 23 and 24, when he's talking to the lady at the well, a Samaritan. He says, there's going to come a time when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He says it again in verse 24. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This is not a feeling. It's not based on circumstance. Here's the truth. When we feel like, when we struggle to feel like worshiping, we, we've probably let um, self-righteousness step into our heart. In other words... If you don't remember what you need to serve God, then you're thinking you don't need Him. And you think, oh, I'm good. I've, I've got security in my job and my family, and I've got all these things. I'm good, and we've gotten self-righteous. Or we may feel, uh, we may have gotten obsessed a, 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 with religion. And, and what can happen is instead of worship being the heart of thing and having expressions, we begin to worship the expressions of worship. 
okay? We begin to worship the preaching. We begin to worship the band or the, the singing or the, the, the experience of that moment. Uh, uh, we, we begin uh, to worship church attendance or holy living. And, and we said all these things that become religion, we elevate those above the very heart of the brokenness of the truth of what God has done for you. And when, what I'm talking about in that moment, I want you to imagine Jesus is face to face with you. And all of your sins and all your brokenness and all the things that you don't even, you've never told anybody are in his mind and he sees it all and he says, Jared, I love you, man. Give me a hug. In that moment, does Monday matter? Do the bills matter? Does anything what somebody thinks matters that the God of the universe sees you, knows you, loves you, died for you, forgives you, gives you mercy and grace? You know all this truth. When we know that truth, nothing else matters. Worship is to know and be convicted about and love the truth. Just love the truth that God loved me so much that while I was a sinner, he died for me. Like just knowing the truth is what drives worship because of all he has done for you. This matters, he says it in verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because we start to look like the world. When we forget about who God is and who we are not, we just start living like the world, being like the world, filling our schedule with our own things, finding adoration and love and affection in other places. And, 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 just, and, and We're not the first church to do this. First century, he's writing to Rome saying, guys, come on, you're starting to look like the pagan culture. Right? We constantly need to be reminded of this. He says, but let God transform you. Did he say turn over a new leaf? Did he say try harder? He said, just let him hug you. Just fall into Jesus' arms. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here, I think in Romans 12, we find worship defined. I want us to look before we close at, at this idea demonstrated. What does it mean? What does this mean all of my life in every way? And it, it's about truth and not circumstance or feeling. Story in Acts 16 that led us to this place. Months ago, when, when I was driving back from Lexington one week, and God just impressed in my heart, like, don't preach Sunday, and everybody was so excited. <laughs> and I fought with it. I mean, I studied all week, and then I, until I was on my way here on a Sunday morning, I, the worship team remembers this vividly. When I walked in, we were supposed to have three or four songs, and I said, we got eight. I said, we are just going to worship. Our God, And it was in a time that didn't make sense in my life and really in any of our lives. And, and maybe it really never makes sense if you just look at your circumstances and how your day's going. But we said, none of that's going to matter today. We're just going to worship God for who he is, because he is who he is. And that was life-changing for me and for many of you, you experienced that morning. And this was the story that brought that to my mind. It's the story of Paul and Silas when, when they're, they're out preaching and they're, they're in a town um, and, and, they, uh, and Paul casts a demon out of a lady, and her masters used to use her because she was possessed, and they would make money off of her. 
All right, so Paul casts this demon out, and this is where we pick it up in Acts 16, verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. All right, I'm going to keep you, I want you to go into Paul and Silas's mindset and experience right now, okay? We're going to kind of keep track of this. I'm going to do my best as we go through. Right now, they have been grabbed and dragged. Are you with me? They've been grabbed and dragged before the authorities at the marketplace. Some humiliation probably happening there. It says, the whole city's in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So they've been grabbed, they've been dragged, they've been wrongly accused. It says, in that moment, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now there's been a mob formed against them. They have been ordered to be stripped. They're naked, and they've been beaten with wooden rods. Anybody get beaten with wooden rods this morning? Had any mobs formed against you this week? I mean, maybe. It's possible. I'm not, not just, I mean, if you really did, I'd love to know. Um, but this is the place they're in. And they weren't just beaten. They were severely beaten. And then it says they were thrown into prison, so they were wrongly jailed. They've been wrongly accused. They've been grabbed. They've been dragged. They've been beaten. They've been stripped, severely beaten. They've been thrown into prison. And then the jailer ordered to make sure they can't escape. So the jailer takes them, and they're not just going to jail. They're not just in, in, in the front little office there behind the first set of bars. He says, no, you're going to the pit, to the deepest darkest dungeon. I'm going to take you all the way there, and we're going to shackle your feet. We're going to lock you in to the deepest, darkest place. That's where we find Paul and Silas in the story. As I thought about how they must have been feeling, maybe broken, tired, abandoned, forgotten, discouraged we find this truth in verse 25 it says around midnight Paul and Silas I mean do you think they were just so chipper they're like brother get a song let's sing one <laughs> do you think our sir, God has blessed us so much today brother Silas He's answered so many prayers. You know, our conditions are so great. I'm so thankful for these shackles. And the fact that I don't know if my next breath's going to come. As I thought about that, we said, let's write a song that expresses that moment. As I think about the, as we were thinking about writing the song, and those words just came from a lot of different places. But the song we just sang, and we're going to sing it again here in a minute. In my mind, it's it's me trying to us trying to get into the head of Paul and Silas. So what were they thinking at 11:59? What were they thinking at 11:59? I think they were probably thinking about truth. I think, and it could have been any truth. These are the ones that God put in us in our heart. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You've ordered my steps. 
and you've numbered my days. You created the heavens and all of the earth. Because you are you. You heard every prayer my broken heart prayed. You showed up in every unexpected way. You are the victor and the victory. Because you are you. When I feel broken, tired, used, abused, abandoned, forgotten, I'm going to know right now I'm still loved by you. And in my mind, the chorus is midnight. Are you with me for a minute? And we just sing glory, glory, hallelujah. The worship wasn't the song they sang. It's the heart. You can't sing that song in that moment unless you know the truth of how much God loves you and your circumstances don't matter. And I invite you into that place right now. The power in this and this message for me is I'm, it, it says, and the other prisoners were listening. And, uh, and as we were praying about this, read. One of our elders here called me, and he listened to a worship song. He said, hey, I got this word that God just put on my heart. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy praise. It's worship when it doesn't make sense. I, about a week later, I was like, that's going to be a sermon series now. Thank you. But had these other prisoners known that word, I think they'd have been like, man, Paul and Silas, them boys are crazy. Like, why are they praising and worshiping right now? And so my, my, my question to you is, have you been building your life and your worship and your dedication of God around some expected <laughs> circumstance or change in your life? Or can you, right in the middle of the brokenness and the place that makes no sense, be reminded of the truth of who God is and who we are not. Because I don't think Paul and Silas, I don't think they knew, man, if we sing this song, God will send an earthquake and it will get us out of here. I think they sang the song because they would already been rescued from hell and eternal separation from God. I think they were singing because they had been rescued. We worship not to get something back from God and hope he gives us what we're praying for. We worship because he's already given us more than we could have ever asked for. Right? And that truth, that truth, man, when it's in front of your face, you play rook, you're like when you've got a lot of trump cards, that truth, when it's in your face and you think about it, trump every circumstance in your life. You'll see, it doesn't matter the doctor's report. It doesn't matter how bad marriage is. It doesn't matter what's happening with your kids or what your finances or any of these things. When you know the truth, it is so easy to lay your entire life down. That's the invitation this morning.
feel like giving up, bow down. Are you with me for a minute? Feel sad, crying, depressed, down? Lift your hands up. Remember the truth of how much he loves you, that he died for you, that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. Feeling less than, insecure, obsessed with comparing yourself. Remember you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Burst out in song. Sing a song you've never heard before. Write your own song to God. Worship him simply because of who he is. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for being you. We thank you for this reminder that when we live out our faith and we worship you the way Paul and Silas did, people see it, they hear it, and they're pointed towards you. We know that this story, as it continues, Paul gets to share his faith and tell the, the, the jailer about Jesus, and he gets saved, and he gives his life. And, and because of this, Paul and Silas, the, their, their life and their worship of you in a place and a time that it didn't make sense, it revealed to them something true, the jailer, something true about himself, his own condition, that he needs a relationship with a God like that. God, use us to be a light. Let our life be praisey to those around us. So that they build curiosity about your son Jesus. So that we can share with them the truth of the gospel that they all need a relationship with the one who created them. And God, if there's, no, if there's somebody here this morning that has never given God their life, they've never given their life to you. God, we know that invitation always stands open as your Holy Spirit works in their lives and they see how they put everything before you. Let today be a day they come to the altar and say, no, God, you're going to be first in my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.